Hello, Cornerstone. <laughs> it never fails. Christian's always like laughing at me before I get a word out of my mouth. But I seriously, do. I wanted to say hello to all of you, and we're excited today to uh, to take a little journey uh, in the Book of First Thessalonians again as we as we work in and through this podcast we call Beyond Sunday. Our whole heart with Beyond Sunday is to take the amazing truths of God's Word and to look at them and understand them. And many of them, oftentimes, if we're not careful, we can leave them as just ideals. Mm. But the thing we've always said is that the greatest way to land God's Word is not just even personally, or not in just a conceptual understanding of how we land it, but inside of the context of a local church, and especially amongst relationships that God has given us as we know, love, and follow Jesus. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 3. And today, I've got a guest with me. Uh, we got rid of Spencer because he was getting old and boring. And so we... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, it was really cool. We, we had the opportunity uh, to get Bob Krychek in. He, he preached this last weekend. And Bob has become a great friend. Love and appreciate him. Love his love of Jesus, his love of God's Word. And uh, so he'll be with us today sitting in the, in, the, in the other pilot chair. And of course, the other one across from me is Christian one of the pastors here at Cornerstone. And so we're excited to talk about 1 Thessalonians 5. So let me set the context a little bit. And then, Bob, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw it at you. <clears throat> and you're the, you're the expert on the text. <laughs> and so, so we'll, they we'll, say. Yeah, <laughs> that's the rumor. Huh? But uh, we were looking at, at, obviously, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 3. And in 5, 1 through 3, one of the key realities that comes to the surface that you kind of can't miss that isn't just in this text, but it's found all throughout oh, yes. God's Word, mm -hmm. uh, is this idea of the day of the Lord. And so that was one of the things that you drew to the surface when you were preaching. But maybe just for all of us, maybe if you could just set a quick stage of not only just maybe real quickly, what is it, but why, why is understanding the day of the Lord such an important thing for us as we kind of wrestle in and through what it means to follow Jesus? Well, one of the things that really struck me about this passage is how immensely practical it is. It, 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 you could leave it in the ideal state, but that really would not do justice to it at all. When you're talking about the day of the Lord, you're talking about God intervening with human history and engaging in battle against his enemies as the divine warrior and doing it to destroy his enemies on behalf of his people. And this is, this is an amazing thing because we're not talking about Bible stories now. We're talking about what's going to happen and what has happened in human history already. That God is not the, the kind of being who just kind of sits by and watches what's going on. That's the deist concept of God, mm -hmm. is that he's not involved with his creation. He just lets it unwind all on its own. But our God is not only transcendent, he is imminent. He is, he is involved with his creation, and he is not satisfied to leave us in a state where we are being persecuted if we are his people. He's not going to just say, oh, I wish I could do something about that, but you know, they're half a world away from me, and we don't have enough money, and all the things that I think it's real easy to draw a parallel to what's going on in world history right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's, it's super impactful because you're talking about God interfering with human 
human history, and thank God he does. Amen. Yeah, I think when we've been talking through this book about this concept of hope that's based both upon God's proven character, what he's already demonstrated in history, and what he's yet promised to do, because the promise that God makes in regard to the day of the Lord, it it hits on that longing that all of us have to see the world made right. Yes. Um, to see evil, well, at least other people's evil, <laughs> judged by God, <laughs> right? You know? But I, I think that like there's something so fun about this, and we'll get into this in a little bit, about just even because we want to know when. And even sometimes that's not even a bad thing. Throughout Scripture, okay. God's people are encouraged to ask the how long, O Lord, question. Yes. Yes. But yet still to say, okay, this is Lord, this is your prerogative for you to carry out. But you're right. It is imminently practical. Our view of the future has such a shaping effect on the way that we navigate life right now. Yeah, I think like that issue of hope, I think because we've so individualized hope mm. and missed the grand kind of reality of what God is doing in the world, right? Our hope is <clears throat> maybe escaping something or our hope is that we don't have to go to hell or this place that we get to go to, but the grand victory of King Jesus over all evil, over all things that have ever had the audacity to stand to against him. Yeah. him is all wrapped up in where we find our our hope is that truly God fulfilling that promise of us being his people, we, him being our God, mm -hmm. living as we were intended from the very beginning. And so there's so much beautiful reality to it, which I can't wait to get into. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do that. We're going to dive in. We're going to look at verses one through three, and uh, then we'll, we'll land it out a little bit. Okay, so we heard y'all preach on it. You preached, you landed it out there. And so... Maybe for just all of us, because we're a few days now removed, and maybe some people haven't even had a chance yet to listen to what you preached on, maybe if you could just real quickly kind of sum up for us in a way, uh, verses one through three, so that we can kind of catch it, we can get a running running start into, into kind of our discussion of this biblical text. Well, one thing that I would have loved to have talked more about when I preached is the fact that this this, these three verses are so heavily influenced by the Old Testament. Hmm, yeah. And it's unfortunate that I think today a lot of Christians avoid the Old Testament. And yet this is the only way that we can really understand the New Testament terminology because it didn't just come, it didn't spring full grown off of somebody's forehead, you know? <laughs> uh, this was something that we needed to, to, to go back and dig out the meaning that the people of God would have understood this to mean in the Old Testament context. And so that's where we have to start. The day of the Lord is a concept that goes back to the earliest writing prophets. And it is a concept of judgment. It is a concept of, again, God as the divine warrior attacking and defeating his enemies. Now, the way that he does it is a bit different under the Old Testament than it, than it is now, or that it will be in the future. Because in the Old Testament, it was usually against a national entity, or at least a people group. And generally, what would happen is that they would be overcome by their enemies, and this is God's action in history when his people were rebelling against him. Or in the case of a, a nation like Babylon, for example, Babylon was an oppressor of God's people. And God allowed Babylon to exist for a certain period of time, and then he took them out of the scene. So sometimes it was very, actually militaristic, very physical. And at first I was inclined to say, but now or in the future, it's going to be spiritual. But that's not true. That's right. yeah. Because 
when when God deals the final death blow to his enemies and he raises the dead and he proceeds with the judgment of all people, they're not going to be judged as spirits. They're going to be judged as those that have been reunited with their bodies, and it's going to be a very physical end Mm -hmm. to his enemies. So all the way along, you actually see that this judgment is a very physical thing. And it uh, in the Old Testament, it would talk about the day of the Lord, but probably it would be more accurate in some ways to say a day of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Because there were many of them. Um, the, the examples that I used in the in the passages, one was aimed at uh, Babylon from the book of Isaiah. One was aimed at the northern tribes of Israel mm-hmm. from the book of Amos. And one was aimed at the southern tribe of Judah from Joel. And so you have multiple instances of God's judgment being poured out. Sometimes it's upon the oppressor. Sometimes it's upon those who should have been God's people, should have been faithful to him, but they had failed in that regard, and eventually he brought them to task for their failure. And so you have all these individual days of the Lord, but they're all pointing forward to the fact that God is a God of justice. Mm-hmm. He is not playing around with sin. And But it's not just that he's not playing around with sin. He is concerned for what is right because he is good. And when any group of people, large or small, engage in what is evil and they end up hurting their relationship with him, hurting their relationships with each other, a good God is not going to sit back and go, oh, gee, that's that's sad. He's going to do something about it. And that's where this judgment of God comes in. It's not a negative characteristic in God at all. It's a very positive thing, as I indicated in the message. God is good, and because he is good, he is concerned for what is good and what is right, and he is going to take out those things, ultimately, which are not good and right. Amen. (laughs) Amen. That that works for an explanation. I'll take that one. Uh, That (laughs) one works well. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love the like the idea again when we one of the things that you know we emphasize around here is this idea of God's word as a story like like the most faithful way for us to understand scripture is giving attention to the story structure of of God's word and that does make you look for these patterns for these recurring yes. patterns of the way that God acts and the way that He makes His character yes. and His priorities known in in the text it's like a it's like when you're you're watching a, a, a grand movie, like, okay, I think about like the John Williams music in the Star Wars movies, mm. like like different characters and different, you know, the Empire has its own theme song and things mm-hmm. like that. And even if it, it fade to black and the, the new picture hasn't even come up, but you hear that dun, 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 you know, what's you know, there's a whole sense of meaning just in the familiarity of that tune. That's a cheesy example, but just to say in the same way when Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians 5, the day of the Lord, there is the there's a, a well-known melody to that, that the that the people, I mean, at least Jewish believers would have been clued on. This, oh, yes. this would have been new for a lot of the Gentile believers right. in Thessalonica. But yet his point is to say, hey, you've been brought into this story. So don't just start with the story when you stepped on stage. Mm-hmm. Understand what's gone before. I mean, which, that's which is interesting to think, like this being probably Paul's, if not the earliest, one of his earliest letters, right? Yeah. And into this group of Gentiles, he inserts this idea 
of the day of the Lord, which they would have had a lot of, kind of like the passage you and I preached through in in earlier in chapter four. There was yeah. they would have had a lot of information around Perusia and different things like that. They would have connected to out of their own context. But now he's coming in and making sure to connect them into the story, right? Yeah. Like the day of the Lord is not just a concept for the people of Israel. It's in a concept that you all are included into, into yes. this amazing story, which is kind of a, I hadn't thought about that until you just kind of said that. What a cool thing for them to read this for the first time and be, oh, we're identified because we're gonna, you're going to preach on it the next week. Yeah. We're identified as these ones not sleeping. Yeah. Like the day of the Lord isn't coming upon us. We have been saved from the wrath of God to come. Mm-hmm. You know, all those different things, which yeah. is such, I guess, I don't know. That was neat for me. I just thought about that. And, but I think cool. like what you just hit on, that's the privilege for all of us, especially those of us that are like Gentile believers, not from like a Jewish background. Like we've gotten to be clued into this story that Crafted is in. amazing. Like it's so dang cool to go, wow, no, this is my family history. Yeah. Right now, this is a very intense part of our family's history yes. and, and our expectation, but no less glorious or to your point, like no less good of our God to make these promises. Not only have I brought days of the Lord, but the day, the day is coming, you know? Well, and again, I know that I tend to beat this drum, but the Old Testament is so critical to our understanding. And as I pointed out when I preached, uh, the Thessalonian church, that would have made up a good portion of their Bible. Hmm. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, they didn't have a New Testament yet. Mm-hmm. It was in the process of being written. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so as they would read or hear the scriptures, it would be the Old Testament. And maybe for the first time, because they're Gentiles, but they're they're hearing these terms, day of the Lord, and they're seeing what was associated with it in the Old Testament and the effect that it had upon God's enemies, whether it was the pagan nations that were the oppressors or whether it was the people of God failing to live up to the covenant, you know, this was something that they were learning. And I do wish that we as Christians would put as much emphasis upon understanding the Old Testament as we do the new. Mm-hmm. That's a really good thought. Like, I feel like it is interesting. They didn't have any other concept of the day of the Lord besides what they would have found within the context of the Old Testament, right? They wouldn't have that would have been their only reality because the only thing they had at this point is oral history in and around King Jesus, right, you know, yeah, his right. coming the first time. And so it is a, it is a fascinating thing. If if the first time you really were encountered with this idea of the day of the Lord, it was only found in your understanding of how it got developed, in and through the Old Testament uh, story and what was going on. That's I think your deep love for the Old Testament and the way that that's. I mean, that's been an influence on Todd and I as well. Like, was why when we were looking at this passage <laughs> and seeing this come up, like, who better than than you to 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 clue us in as a as a church family to hey, this is a big theme that's been part of God's story for a long time. Let's pay attention. Yeah, to when it. we talked about it, I said, hey, I think I think Bob should do five one through three, and it was like a no dumb moment for both of us, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, you've thought through this this conceptually probably more more than we have. Okay, so that's the general idea. That's what's going on within the text. And so what I want to do next is, is I want to kind of just land out, okay, how do we go about living out of this hope, which it truly is. It's, it's hope. And so let's, let's take a little time here and let's just, as, as three friends sitting down around God's Word, let's try to figure out kind of how do we land it. Okay, so with landing out, we were just, we we're kind of talking in between kind of how we wanted to bring it out a little bit. One of the things that Christian brought up was just the 
the importance of kind of the way in the the hinge of chapter four, verse one, that mm-hmm. where everything began to build as we worked from holiness into the love of God's people, now working into the return of Jesus when he was talking about those that are dead in Christ and what will happen to them. But he, in, in verse one, he just talks about this idea that we urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us, how you ought to walk to please God. Mm-hmm. So obviously in there, and again, I'll, I'll maybe kind of launch the ship out uh, this way. This text in some way is meant to motivate us in how we ought to walk to please God, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll throw it out to either one of you, whoever wants, whoever raises your hand first or hits the button first. How do we see this text being so crucially tied to way back when Paul kind of launched everything off? It, it has to have that flow and understanding to it. So how does it kind of fit into that, th- that idea? Oh, I'll, I'll start. Hit the go for it. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So, to borrow from an expression that R.C. Sproul was very fond of using, right now counts forever. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is almost the bottom line way of looking at this. When, when Paul speaks of how we ought to walk and to please God, one of the things that I think is is probably hidden from a lot of people, but I'm kind of a language nut, you know? Mm-hmm. And the word ought in English is related to the word owe and obligation. Mm. And in Greek, it's even more clear yeah. that we're, we're talking about an obligation. And so that's a word that, of course, doesn't, doesn't sit real well with a lot of people. No, I'm not obliged. I'm not obligated. I don't owe God this. Mm-hmm. It's something that I'll do if I feel like it or if I'm motivated or if the Spirit moves me. But we ought to walk and please God in a certain way. And the way that he's laid this out really is is tied in with the, with the fact that the day of the Lord is coming. Yeah. Because the, on that day, even though I didn't get to go to this passage and I would have loved to, <laughs> He is going to judge every man according to his works. Yes. Even the secret things, even the hidden things, even the careless words. Mm-hmm. And if that's what is coming for every one of us, even though our judgment, our day of the Lord, has been paid for by the Son of God Himself, then we have a very serious obligation to God in order to walk in a way that pleases Him, because we all have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when uh, a couple of weeks ago when I had preached the first or the, the, that first part of four thirteen through eighteen, and we're talking about the the coming of Jesus and the hope of resurrection and whether we die before Jesus comes back or we're alive when Jesus comes back, that hope that we will be with Him forever. And there was someone in my community group as we were talking about it, where she said, "This is cool and all about hope when we die and hope of resurrection, but gosh, this makes me want to live well now. This makes me want to like awesome. use my life well." She's like, "I know we were talking about something else." I was like, "No, like that's the exact right connection. Amen. Like the, sure the this hope of the day of the Lord that all things will be set right. But even the the weight of that, the sense of okay, so therefore this oughtness." That God has placed this call on my life to seek to walk in a way that pleases him together with my brothers and sisters. I will stand before Jesus on that day for how I carried out the oughtness, the the mm-hmm. the, the right good obligation duty that you were talking about there. That again, if if in all of the conversations we've been having over the last few weeks about the return of Jesus and the hope of resurrection and now even the day of the Lord, 
if that is something that we just kind of put in a box in the attic as something to think about maybe later one day, if it ever becomes relevant to us, we're, we're, we've missed the point. Yeah. But if instead this makes, makes us go, okay, right now, today, Lord, would you teach me how to walk in a way that pleases you, to, to walk properly before outsiders? Yes. Because I want I want to look forward to that yeah. day, and especially know? like I mean, this is the this is where he turns the corner and lands out imminency, mm. right? The, That's the, a big word. Yeah, they just the, and I was very explained. You didn't even get it. <laughs> I was playing the role of Spencer. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you don't get to be Spencer. Only he gets to be that. I have too much hair. <laughs> yeah, but I think just that right that it is right always on the doorstep. Yeah, it, it's every generation has always thought oh, right, that, yes. that Jesus is going to return in their lifetime, mm-hmm. which on one level, that's a good aspect, right? There's a good part of that. I don't want to take away the, the reality that's not a good part, but it really does force you to frame your oughtness, your obligation with the reality that there really is that imminency. There, there, it is coming and it could even for Paul, he saw it could come in my lifetime. Now, obviously, like you preached on Christian, it framed differently out of Second Timothy 4. Yeah, yeah. But it really, I don't, I don't know if we think like we ought to about the imminency of Jesus, the reality of the day of the Lord, the, the way that it really does frame so much of how we ought to live, right? It's, it's kind of huge in that. But. I think the way Paul uses the, the analogy of labor pains, right? Like a pregnant yes. woman knows she's going to have the baby. Like that, that's, it's, this coming. Is gonna, it's coming. The surprise is when. Yeah. And I think that's this idea of imminency. This should not be a completely out of the blue thing because Jesus yeah. has told us to expect his coming. Yeah. But, but we don't know the times or seasons. Exactly. Like we think we, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So let me, let me press this a little bit further. So for you guys personally... How, how does this shape your lives? Like, what are some of the key aspects that you guys feel, man, on a, on a daily, weekly basis? This is how this is how this idea shapes me. So let me throw it out to you guys. How how do you feel like this idea shapes you? I'll go first. Go. go <laughs> I have been more impacted than I thought I was going to be. It's just surprising how much I, I think about this passage all the time from the Lord's Prayer. Hmm. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And even though we know that ultimately all of his will is not going to be done in terms of full obedience to Jesus until he does come again, Yet we haven't been called to just sit around and wait for him to come back so that he can make all things right. We have been called upon to engage as his emissaries, as his ambassadors, as his servants in this world and to be active with it. And so I would say almost every day when I think about that part of the Lord's Prayer, I'm going, okay, am I seeking the kingdom of God first and his righteousness? Am I looking for his kingdom to come and be manifested on earth like it is in heaven? Because that's what I should be doing. I can't make his kingdom come in its completeness. Only he can do that. But I play a role in that because I'm one of his people. Amen. Amen. That's such good news. And I, I think when you hit on you know, in chapter five, verse one, when Paul talks about concerning the times and seasons and the possible allusion to the words of Jesus in Acts yes. one, when he yes. says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons of the father set by his own authority, but you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes up upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and yep. Judea. It is that sense of 
the mapping out the timing and and trying to interpret the signs of the times to calculate what day Jesus is coming back, it seems pretty clearly in both this passage, like we'll get into more next week, and what Jesus says in Acts 1, the marching orders that we've been given is to be about the king's business, to be his witnesses, the way that that Jesus talks about it in the Olivet Discourse. He's like, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes and all this kind of stuff. Those are but the beginnings of birth pangs. But I'll tell you this, this gospel will be proclaimed to all nations as a witness. And then the end will come. Okay, so what does it look like for me to live as a child of the day? Again, like we'll get into more next week. Okay, it really seems clearly like Jesus has said, this idea of being disciples who make disciples by calling others to follow this Jesus, that's priority one. The interesting thing is in both like the Olivet Discourse in Acts 1, there's such a global scope to it. In Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, this gospel will be preached to all nations. I personally can't reach all nations, right? I think there is a cool part that we as a church get to be a part of sending out and supporting missionaries in all different places. But still, within my life and my relationships, I, th- I think there's a, I don't know, I'm having a hard time even thinking through how, going, thinking b- between the bigness of the mission that we've been given as God's people to make disciples of all nations with the smallness, the rather limited scope of my life and my relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I not get too big for my britches? How do I not just care about global issues and forget the ones that are right in my own home or across the street? How do I just learn to to wrestle with God in that faithfulness of out of all the things going on in this world, even in our area? Lord, what needs have you called me to meet? I think that's a, yeah. a day by day thing to try to well, wrestle I think through. Like- your connection to Acts, I caught that was where I came into the room the other day. Oh yeah. And I caught it. Mm. And I think like I I think when I've talked about this with others, there's a moral component to this, no doubt, right? We want to be transformed, made yeah. new. And so I what I've already say is not meant to displace the moral idea. Mm-hmm. But when I came in, it was the missional component. Like I caught yeah. the same thing where yeah. and, and here's what I was thinking about it. A majority of people when I talk with them about their understanding of last things, it almost immobilizes them. Mm. It sends them into neutral. But wow. yet it seems to be that when we talk about the day of the Lord, it should send us not only into drive, but into overdrive of sorts to really, as this compelling reality, to not just bide our time until the king returns, but to be faithful to your point, Christian, which you laid out and what I what I, I was excited you preached on, including that section on Acts 1 in there, mm-hmm. is just that reality that it should be compelling us yeah. to join King Jesus as he brings the kingdom to bear in this world, we are his emissaries. We are his ambassadors. We are a part of this mission that he's doing. And so that was like, what I, you know, my mind kind of, I'll be honest, it checked out a sermon prep when I, <laughs> because that's where my mind just went. I'm like, I had never, I don't think, thought well through the missional component of the day of the Lord that, that you kind of get that dot that got connected there that you obviously, it must have impacted you as yeah, well in that way, which is so powerful. Yeah, and, and you know what? <clears throat> I mean, I can speak personally from my own history because um, back in the '70s, when I was saved, because yes, I'm ancient, <laughs> <clears throat> I sat under, literally sat at the feet of Hal Lindsey as he was teaching on wow. last things. Wow. wow, interesting. And so I was very excited and motivated by the things that I thought were true at the time. 
And of course, as the decades passed and the various predictions about when Jesus was going to come also passed, <laughs> I realized that I was putting too much stock in too little truth. But one of the things that does fascinate me to this day is a passage that I wish we could have taken time in 2 Peter chapter 3 to look at. But Peter actually says that by the, the, the type of lives that we live now, we can hasten Wow. the day yeah. Yeah. of the return of the Lord. And I don't know how that works, but that is exciting yeah. mm. that we could actually be a, a, a part of hastening the yeah. return of the Lord by our faithfulness to Him. Yeah, And it, it seems as simple, I mean, this is probably oversimplifying, but it seems as simple as saying, well, yeah, if Christians are doing what Jesus told them to do, then the job is going to get done quicker. Yeah. But That's I think true. that that dot again. It's I think that is so important. It is speaking or thinking through the day of the Lord, thinking through last things is not meant to in any way hinder us from the mission. It's no. meant to be a compelling force into the mission. It's meant to fuel hope that I think fuels then the mission. Which I was so glad you brought that to, that to the surface in sermon prep and different things because I think that is. I, I just I look around right now as everybody's now asking again is jesus coming now you know mm -hmm. but i see it so immobilizing people and i and I, anything that immobilizes us from the action of the mission there must be something wrong in our understanding of mm -hmm. what, what's going on there well and christian referred to it earlier but a, a, a very simple statement that was made by what i who i consider to be kind of a, a mentor in the christian faith a bb warfield mm -hmm. he said the purpose of prophecy is ethical. He, he was not concerned about trying to establish times and seasons and dates. He was concerned about what are we going to do with the truth yeah. about Jesus coming. And so that statement has always stuck with me. I've, I've, I've known it for decades now. The purpose of all prophecy is ethical. Mm, wow. If you don't know who B.B. Warfield is, I highly encourage you to go look him up. He's uh, he is one of the the greatest theologians of uh, I think that's ever coming to the United States. And yeah. so, if you ever get a chance to go read him, understand him, um, he's not alive anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think he was dead before the seventies, wasn't he? Oh, yes, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, totally. Nineteen twenty-one. Yeah, I, I'm totally kidding. I knew he was turn of the century. <laughs> but I, isn't that cool though? Yeah. Like in this sense of like. Being in, have, able to have like a brotherhood oh. or like a mentor relationship with believers that were already gone before yeah. we came on the scene. Yeah, like, I love that. What a cool thing. See another another now commercial for why church history and engaging in historical theology is so important <laughs> and why I love it so much is we get to be mentored by dead people. <laughs> so can I can I throw one more thing yeah, out there? Because Bob, one of the things that we had talked about, and I know you touched it on your sermon as well, in verse three. Um. Paul says that while people are saying there's peace and security, then this sudden destruction will come upon them. Yeah. Can you just talk for a second? Because, I mean, those two things, the desire for peace and security are not wrong desires, but we can get the means and the ends confused on oh, that. Oh, so no kidding. Would you mind just commenting yeah, on that Yeah, make that practical. Bit? Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, nobody likes to live in chaos mm. <laughs> or insecurity. Yeah. So the opposites make it clear that those are desirable things. Yeah. 
the the issue with that, as with almost everything else in life, is that we look to the wrong source mm -hmm. for our peace and security. Mm. And because of the fact that this country has had such a history of prosperity, mm -hmm. of relative um, being isolated from some of the chaos that goes on around the world, mm -hmm. and the people who are living now... And, and say and, until this thing happened with Ukraine, mm -hmm. for the most part, we've we've not known what it was like to have major world conflict going on because there are very few people left that remember World War II. I mean, I remember being a freshman in college and waking up one morning and walking to class and seeing a TV that had the Twin Towers burning like mm -hmm. the morning of 9-11. And that was such a paradigm shifting moment of, wait, that can happen here? And again, the, the the privilege truly of the the, the relative peacefulness yes. that we have enjoyed in this country for a long time, but yet the, the fragility of it, how yeah. fragile and, it is. And then we get to leaning on it as mm. if that were the end, as if that were the thing that we needed the most was the peace and security here and now. Mm. And and that obviously is, is what Paul is talking about when he says, while they're saying peace and security, the very things that, yes, the human heart longs for, the very things that the United Nations put in its very charter, mm. the very thing that our vice president said within the past few weeks. I mean, peace and security is something that has been an issue, not just in our present time, mm -hmm. but throughout history, because again, it may have been used even in the, the first century, and that may be why Paul referred to it. Like a Roman creed kind of idea of like yeah, what the, the empire gives people? The Roman empire is going to provide peace and mm. security for everybody, you bet. But the thing is, what human government, what human military force, what human means can achieve lasting peace and mm. security? Mm. Only God can do that. Amen. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Amen. And we are only secure in Him. And so, yeah, I mean, when people are saying peace and security, it's not the words that are the problem. <clears throat> it's the thinking behind it. Yeah, and the object that you look to give yes, that to you. Yes, wow. expecting that that's going to be done by a political party or by a nation or by a president or by a prime minister. Or by running out to the hills and building a cabin where you don't have to deal with anybody anymore. And, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, the, all the preppers. <laughs> hey, you're talking about my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that you said we talked more about when we were kind of talking about where to go is you just talked about the should drive us to our knees. Yeah. And I think from a practical standpoint is that God's people are always asked to cry out to the Lord, right? Like I think mm. there's this way in which we tend to find peace and security as the evil Israelites did mm -hmm. or different ones in trying to find peace and security outside of God. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems to be even to the very end, there will be this sense of finding peace and security outside of the living God. Mm -hmm. And in the outcome, there will be finally the day that will no longer be find peace and security for anybody outside of Christ. But there's kind of a, a cliff we can fall off on the other side. And I can say this maybe as someone who comes from more of like a premillennial background. <laughs> One of those things, even within that theological camp that I see myself as a part of, that can really turn me off is almost a, a really gross sort of giddiness that can come into some Christians oh, yeah. when disasters and wars happen around the world. Oh my gosh, it must be getting close. Yeah. It's like, do not forget what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We should be those who are engaged 
and not trying to realize peace in our time through human means, mm -hmm. but extending the peace that what Paul says in Ephesians 2 about Jesus is our peace. He yes. himself has made the means of breaking down hostility between people. Yes. That's what we invest ourselves yeah. in. We're not to immobilize ourselves. No. We're not to suddenly sit back and just you know, grab popcorn as everything, you know, goes literally to hell. Yeah, Jonah sitting on the hill waiting for Nineveh. Very to burn. much. Which I yeah. do feel like sometimes in some of our eschatological understanding, it's very Jonah. I was about to say this, the exact same thing of just Jonah sitting there, all right, God, when are you going to destroy, you know, the world? But it, it, it really did. And that was why I think that's the compelling nature is there's an action to what we're supposed to yeah. do, but then there's a dependence on what we're supposed to do. We are not yes. to find dependence in ourselves in world powers and our finances, but to truly find our dependence inside of God. Amen. And so I thought you brought that, you know, the surface well, and I've always actually greatly appreciated that about you, Bob. It's just your passionate belief in a truly sovereign God mm. to overcome and will rule and reign completely. So I don't know how in the world we could have any hope if we don't. Oh, mm. The Amen. theme of First Thessalonians, hope. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thank you guys so much just for hanging out. Bob, thanks for preaching. Thanks for sitting in Spencer's chair. You, 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 uh, you're, you're not as large as he is. I'm always looking up with, with Spencer. So <laughs> I've had to change my, my vantage point more eye to eye as I talk with you. But uh, God bless you all. Thank you so much just for hanging out with us today and beyond Sunday. Um, thank you for enjoying just being in God's word with us. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that I get to be a part of shepherding a church of people that not only truly love God and love what He is doing in and through this world, but love the book that He gave us to know, love, and, and to understand Him. So mm -hmm. God bless you all. Uh, enjoy life inside of a local church following King Jesus in those relationships. We'll see you. Bye.